But today, uh, I know a lot of people already left to go on spring break, vacation, getting out of Dodge because there's going to be about 20 million people coming into town today and tomorrow. So uh, I'm glad you guys stuck around. Thank you for being here today. I'm, I'm excited to, to bring the word this morning. And uh, I was actually thinking that the, the title of my message today is, is What's the Point? Um, and I don't really mean that to be sarcastic or funny, but I think you'll understand what I'm meaning here in a minute. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about finding purpose. How many of you know we all want to have purpose in our lives? We all want to have a sense of purpose that what we're doing matters, right? What we're doing isn't just floating around aimlessly uh, just trying to get through this life, but what we're doing actually has purpose. And I, I feel like the older we get, the more we, we tend to, to want to see that purpose in our life. We want to know that what we're doing matters. Because I think as, as really little children, you know, being a parent of, of three kids, when my kids are really little, they just, they believed everything I said, you know, I was their hero and I knew everything. And so whatever I said was good. And as they get older, they start to question everything. When they get in middle school, they, they question everything and you're, you don't know anything anymore, according to them. And uh, um, I, in fact, I, you know, my oldest is in high school. She's in 10th grade. Not too long ago, I was taking her to school and uh, you know, she does good in school, but if there's a subject she struggles with, it's math. You know, some, some people just either get math or you don't. Some have to work a little harder. She's one of the ones that has to work a little harder at it. And, and one day we were on our way to school talking about math and, and algebra because she was in the middle of algebra. And she finally just looked at me. She said, I just don't get the point. Like, what is the point of algebra? Where in my life when I become an adult am I ever going to have to find X? <laughs> and I just said, I don't know. You just have to do your work. And, um, and then my middle school child in eighth grade, she, she questions everything and, and she doesn't like history. So there was another time on the way to school that we were talking about her history class and she, she got frustrated. She looked at me and said, I just don't understand the point of history. Like, what does it matter if I know what happened in World War II? That was a hundred years ago. I don't have anything to do with it, you know? And, and so she started questioning it. And obviously that was a little easier for me to answer the importance of understanding our history. But, uh, but I just see my kids, even as they get older, they start to question things. They want to know that what they're doing matters, that they're not just wasting their time. And I feel like we're all like that. You know, I, I don't want to waste my time. I want, I want the things I do to matter. I want to have purpose. I want to, I want to be fulfilled in life. And uh, that's okay to want to be fulfilled. I think God put that in each one of us to want to be fulfilled. The question is, where do we find our fulfillment? Where do we find purpose? Where do we find uh, that happiness in life? I think, I think if we're honest with ourselves, um, when, when we, if, if we're willing to look introspectively, I think a lot of times we'd say uh, the, the things that I spend my time on that I really feel like are fulfilling me are things that are somewhat uh, worldly. You know, whether it's just my job, making sure I have a good career, trying to climb the ladder, making sure I have enough money to have stuff and go on vacation and do the things I want to do, which, you know, none of those things are bad. Absolutely not bad. They're all good. We have to have those things. But, but to find our fulfillment in that, what you find out happens in your life is you start just looking forward to that next big event. Like that's what you're, that's what you're working for. Like, you know, they say working for the weekend, you know, some of us, that might be our fulfillment in life is to just work for the weekend, just so I can have a couple of days that I don't have to go into that place, you know? Um, and so we, we spend a lot of our time and energy on things like that, looking for fulfillment in those things. But I, I would challenge you today that, uh, that God wants you to be fulfilled. There's no doubt about it. He wants you to be fulfilled because, and we all want to have that, that sense of purpose in our lives. But I would, I would suggest to you today that where the fulfillment, where the purpose, where that true contentment in life comes from is being in God's will. Amen? I don't think any of us would argue with that, that if we were in God's will, then, then we, would, we would have that sense of fulfillment. Now, the, 
the, the, the kicker here, though, is that God's will is not necessarily about where you're going or what you're doing or your job or, or the outward things in life. It's about, it's about something much different than that. Now, let me kind of give an example to kind of illustrate my point. Um, I, I'm, I'm someone that I really like maps. I don't know. Anybody else in here just really like looking at maps? Anybody? Okay, there's a few of you. Good, good. We, uh, we're, we're a small club, but we're out there. And, uh, I mean, I've been, like, if I go into a restaurant, I went to a restaurant a couple weeks ago, and they had a big map on the wall of the, I was actually up in Virginia, and they had, it was, it was in a Denny's of all places, and they had a big map of the city on the wall, and I just stood there and stared at it. Like, I was looking at the roads, and I, there's just something about it that just draws my eye to it. I, I enjoy it. I've been known to open my map app in my phone and just type in destinations just to see how I would get there from here. It's, I know it's kind of weird, but, uh. But I love using that app in my phone. Like if I'm going somewhere, I don't know how to get there. I love it telling me where to turn, where to go. And the, one of the greatest sounds in the world is when Siri tells you that you've arrived at your destination. I just, I love that feeling. If sense of accomplishment, like, yeah, I did it. You know, I had to have a little phone computer to help me, but I did it. And, uh, and I think we can oftentimes, we can associate the will of God with this, the, the same way that it's kind of like a roadmap for us. That it's about, a, it's a matter of getting to a destination, whether that destination is, the, the career choice, whether it's uh, the degree you're going to get, whether the family you're going to have, where you're going to live. We feel like if it, the will of God is if we make enough of the right decisions, we'll get to that destination that God wants us to be at. And I do believe God has destinations for us. He, he's, he can be specific about those things. But that, to me, that's not what the will of God is. The will of God is about our relationship with him. It's much more about who we are today than what we're going to be tomorrow. Without question, I believe that with all my heart. God is, you, you, you are in the will of God today if you are pursuing him, if you are building your relationship with him, if you are loving him. And that's what the will of God is. And that's where we find fulfillment in our life. That's where, the, that's where true fulfillment comes. It, it is not about making sure, finding the right job. You know, oftentimes it's easy for us to feel like, you know, if I could just get right here, if I could just get this job, or if I could just get to this place in my life, if I could just get past a few of these things and get here, then I know I'll be fulfilled. But I'm, I want to challenge you today that God, no matter what you're going through, no matter what position you're in, no matter what is going on in your life, God can make you fulfilled today. Today is the day of, finding, of having purpose in your life. You have a purpose for today. And it's not, it's not to get somewhere. Your purpose isn't to get to a certain place or to arrive at a certain destination. Your purpose is today that you can be fulfilled and, and, and thrive in your situation that you're in today. And I want, to, I want to share a verse with you that's out of Matthew 6 and 33 and 34. You guys, most of you know this verse. You've probably read it a hundred times. Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If life was all about making just the right decisions, Jesus would not have said this, right? Because he's saying, you know, like I said, we know this verse, but it's so easy to just kind of skirt over this verse. Like, yeah, yeah, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, all these things we had. He is literally saying here, if you will seek me first, if you will come to me first, if you will make me the number one priority, if you will devote yourself to me and pursuing me in relationship with me, the other things that you need, they will be added to you as well, one version says, or given to you. He will work those things out. So what he's saying here is he wants us to focus our attention and our effort and our time on our relationship with him. And he will work the other things out. It doesn't mean you just, you stay in your house and you pray all day and don't have to do anything. 
It's not like that because we still live in the real world where we still have to pay bills and eat and have a house and a place to lay our head, right? So we still have those things. But what he's saying here is I want you to focus on me. And I believe with all my heart that if we will pursue him, if we will focus first on his kingdom and his righteousness in our life, that there's no way we can miss his will for us. There's no way it'll happen. Because his desire is that we would know him in a greater capacity. Because when we know him, when we get closer to him, we see what his will is, which is really ultimately first to know him. But then he'll also guide us and direct our paths too. We know the word of God tells us that he will direct our paths in our life. So let me, let me give you another verse where Jesus is talking to kind of back up what I was saying. In Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, let me pause right there. By them asking him what the greatest commandment was, I, I believe another way of saying it is, Jesus, what's the purpose for life? I, I, don't, I don't believe I'm doing violence to the scripture by saying that because the law at that time, was, that was what they had. That was everything. The law was all-encompassing. It, it, it was what God gave the Israelites to say, this is how you are to live. You are my people. You are set apart. This is everything to live by. So the Pharisees were saying, what's the most important thing? What's our purpose in life? And so this was Jesus' answer in verse 37. It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commands. All the law and prophets hang on these two. So everything, you know, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. They expanded it. It became 613 rules by this time when Jesus was on earth. There were 613 rules in the law. By the, and, and, and so what Jesus did is he took those 613 and he brought it all down to two. He said, it's real simple. You love the Lord with all your heart and you love others. That is... That is how you live a purpose-filled life. That is how you live life with purpose. That is how you live a life fulfilled is to first love God and to love others. And, you know, I, the Pharisees might have thought he was oversimplifying it there and saying, well, that's just too simple. Of course, you know, everybody knows that's what you do. But he, he wasn't oversimplifying. You may feel that way too. Like, well, that's easy to say. And, and it is easier to say than it is to do because to live it out is not necessarily incredibly easy. You know, because some of you may say, you may be here today saying, you know what? I do love God. I'm, I'm here at church on spring break. I have to love God if I'm here today, right? We get a special blessing for being here on spring break. Hallelujah. And so I, I do love God because I'm here. And I do love others too. You know, I'm good to other people. I, I, I like other people. I'm, I'm good to them. You know, I, I let people into traffic in front of me if, if the traffic's backed up, you know, and I'm, I'm a good person. But, but I still don't necessarily feel like I, I have purpose. Like I still feel like I'm aimlessly roaming around sometimes. I don't, I don't have a sense of fulfillment in my life. And I would like to very lovingly say to you, if that is you, then I believe you're doing it wrong. And I don't mean that to sound harsh, but the fact of the matter is Jesus doesn't lie. And he said, if you want to know what your purpose is in life, you love God and love others, and you will have that sense of fulfillment in your life because that's where it comes from. And so I want to encourage you today that, uh, uh, and, and kind of go through some of the ways that I believe that we can show that we love God and love others and, and get to that place of having contentment and fulfillment in life. Um, let me back it up by what he said in John 15, another area where Jesus talked about purpose. He said, as the, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. 
I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what? Complete, lacking nothing, everything you need, complete fulfillment, contentment, purpose in life. He says there, if you obey his commands, you will have that complete joy. Okay, so what is the command? Verse 12 tells us what the command is. It says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. So in other words, what God is saying here, what Jesus is saying here is that your purpose has more to do with who than what. Let me say that again. God's purpose for you has more to do with who than what. He's saying here, the, other, the, the things are not what's going to bring fulfillment in life. Some of you have already figured that out. You already know that. Maybe you've spent a lot of your life striving after stuff. And you realize the more you get, the more you want. You know, the statistics are, are clear that the highest suicide rate in this country, the demographic with the highest suicide rate is the wealthy. So we know that, that wealth and power and having stuff does not bring fulfillment in life. We know that. However, we kind of put it on a smaller scale for us. Like if we're not really wealthy, we, we would just say, well, I don't necessarily want to be a gajillionaire. I just want to have more money. And then I feel like I feel better. But it, I'm telling you, the principles are, are true across the board. More money does not equal more happiness. It just doesn't. And I'm not saying we shouldn't try to have more money. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful in business, in employment. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The key for us is that we have to realize that that is not where our fulfillment comes. We cannot get our worth our, our purpose in life by just getting more stuff or having more or and it doesn't have to be money it could be you know some of us can we can get addicted to education and want to have a bunch of degrees or or we could feel like if I just had the family that I wanted to have if I could just have uh if my family situation could be the way I want it to be then I'll feel fulfilled it's not where true fulfillment comes the word of God's pretty clear on it it's more about who than it is about what and let me give a little a, a little story to illustrate you know when um uh, when I met Joy working out in Colorado, we were both working with a missions organization. A lot of you already know this. I've told this before, but when we, uh, when we decided to, to get married, you know, I asked her to marry me and she said yes. And we, uh, we were all excited and in love and, you know, we wanted to spend all of our time together. Everything was great. And we had to talk about where we were going to live. And because, uh, you know, I, I kind of thought, well, we would just stay in Denver for a while. And, and, uh, but it turned out she was kind of burned out by all we'd been doing there and said, you know, I'd like, just like to take a little time off. Um, I'd like to maybe take a year and go to Augusta, which the, the joke of that is that was 16 years ago. And here we are. Um, that was a long year. Um, but God obviously had different plans, but you know, she said, I wanted to move to Augusta and, and, you know, I'd never been to Augusta. I never, I knew where it was. I, I know where the masters is here, but never spent any time here. I, I just knew it was Georgia and it was going to be hot. And, uh, but I said, okay, yeah, that sounds good to me. I mean, if you're going to be there, I'm, I'm good. You know, to me, it, it wasn't about what I was doing. The fact of the matter is I was in love and I just knew I wanted to be with her. She could have said, listen, I, I kind of want to move to, you know, Anchorage, Alaska for a year. I'm, All right. Well, as long as you're going to be there, I'll go. You know, it would have been ludicrous for me to say, well, you know, if you're going to move to Augusta, I just don't know if that's where the Lord's leading me. Um, I'm going to pray about it. You know, I, I think maybe I'm going to go to Seattle for six months or so. And, you know, I'll catch up with you back in Augusta. So maybe we can catch up and meet in the middle. We'll meet in Topeka, Kansas or something, you know. I would have never done anything like that because we were in that, that relationship and, and obviously we wanted to be together, right? 
Now, I'm not, you know, I know sometimes in, in marriage, you know, based on jobs and stuff, you do have to spend some time apart. That happens. I, I see it quite frequently, actually. But we had nothing holding us back. There was nothing that was causing us to have to be somewhere else. So the thought of not being with her didn't even enter my mind. You know, when she said where, we, where she wanted to go, I'm, okay, that sounds good. And, and I, I just feel like when we're, you know, when we're in that dating relationship, we're in love and, and everything's new and fresh, especially, you know, you just want to spend every waking minute together. You, all your free time, you want to be together. And when you're not together, you're texting or you're Skyping or you're, or you're face chatting or what are the other words that the, the guys use? Face chat and, and book face or something like that. But, um, but, you know, you just want to spend all your time together. And, uh, but then we, we don't necessarily approach our relationship with the Lord like that. You know, I mean, it might be when you're on that honeymoon phase of your, you know, when people first get saved, really get excited about the Lord, you know, they're, they're really diving into their relationship with him, diving into the word. But as, as we grow in our faith and we grow in our walk, we, we get a little further away from that initial loving experience that we had with God. It's easier for us to kind of just almost just want to have him come with us in, in things or just kind of be there for us when we need him in, in a way or, or just not really, uh, it, it becomes more about what we're doing and where we're going and, and what's happening than it does, than it is about who. And we would never do that in a, in a marriage relationship, but we do that to God all the time in our relationship with him. And I would, I would just want to challenge you in that today, like that, that he is so much more about our relationship with him than he is about anything that we'll ever do for him even, or for anybody else. Um, uh, Paul took it a step further in Philippians 3 when he talked about the importance of uh, relationship with Jesus in, in verses 7 through 9. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Man, what a powerful, powerful statement that is. I consider them garbage. Some translation, that, that word garbage there is hard to translate. Uh, they, they, came, they finally landed on the word garbage, but it actually would translate more cleanly to the word dung, like cow dung. He's saying, I consider everything cow dung that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but, the, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So Paul is saying here that everything in life, everything he's gained. Paul was, he was a pretty, uh, um, he was, he had complicated, he had, I can't think of the word I'm trying to say. He had performed things. He had, he had achieved things in his life. He got to, you know, he was a Pharisee. He was, he knew the law well. He had, he had gotten places and he said everything he had gained in his life, everything he'd ever gained. And this was even after he'd been saved for a while and met Jesus. He said, everything I've gained is, is of no good to me apart from knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Now, and that's something, that's Paul. He, he actually got it because that was why he was able to say, I consider it, uh, we, we can go through, every, anything I go through, I can, I can go through it with joy and peace and I can rejoice in my hardships because I know that it's drawing me closer to Jesus. And when we read that, sometimes we look at that and think, man, he was really dedicated, but God's no respecter of persons. He wants that for all of us that we would have that perspective in life with, with God and our relationship with him, that no matter what we're going through, that we would be able to rejoice in it because we know that it's producing perseverance in us and it's drawing closer, us closer to him in our life. So I would like to uh, suggest to you today and to consider that what it takes to love God and to love others and the importance of that. And it's so important because your purpose hinges on these things. If you really wanna know your purpose in life, 
you really want to find that purpose in life, it's so important. We cannot find it truly in our life without understanding what it takes to love God and what it takes to love others. And so I just want to hit a few points on those, uh, on those two things quickly, talking about how we do this. First of all, how we, how we love God, okay? And the first point I would make to that is that it's important that we would surrender to him. We have to surrender ourselves to God. I think sometimes we, we mistakenly can ask ourselves, what's the least that I could do for God and still be a Christian? I don't think we'd ever say that out loud. And I'm not saying we, we always live like that, but there's times that, that our life, our life kind of does back that up. That We want to kind of have our foot over here on one side of the fence, kind of straddling the fence because we definitely love God. We want to we live for God, but it, what, in a way that it's convenient for us. Like what's convenient for me and how I live for God. There's things in our life that we don't want to surrender to him. You know, I, I think all the time, there's so many worship songs that talk about surrender. I, I constantly hear myself singing about surrender. And then when I sing it, I think, oh, is that, is that really what I'm doing? Am I really willing to do that? Am I really willing to surrender everything I am to him? Are we willing to surrender everything that we are to him? Because that's what he asks for. You know, in, in Luke 14, Jesus talks about the cost of being a disciple. And it's, he gives some harsh words in Luke 14 about what it takes to be a disciple. He says nothing about just coming to an altar and saying a prayer of salvation and then going and doing your thing and coming to church on Sunday. He, he, goes, he goes very far. He goes as far as to say that if you don't, you have to give up everything for him if you really want to follow him and be his disciple. That's a big deal. And I can tell you that I'm thankful for the grace of God that, that covers me and forgives me constantly because there are things in my life that I have to surrender to him all the time. And I think we all have those things that it's hard for us to let go of. You know, that's why, that's why Paul, the, the writer of Hebrews talks about throwing off everything that hinders us. Throwing it off, not just dropping it, but getting rid of it, chucking it off a cliff because we don't want it to hinder us in our relationship with him. But there's so many things that keep us from really surrendering ourselves to him. And I would ask you today, do you, do you serve him for what you can get out of him? Or do you serve him because the lamb is worthy to receive the reward of his suffering? Which one do we do? Some, some, I think sometimes it depends on the day, if we're being brutally honest. There's days I serve him because he is worthy. There's, I, I should probably say hours. There's hours I serve him because he's worthy. Then there's hours I serve him because of what I get from him. And it's okay to want to get things from God. It's okay to to want to be blessed by God. Want to eat, like we're praying for Skylar this morning. We want, we want something from him. We want him to heal that, that girl. It's okay to want those things. But what's our motive for serving him? Our motive should be, our motive should be that we're just serving him because he's worthy of it. Because he, he deserves it. He deserves our life. He, he's the one that, that bridged the gap between me and you and God. Right? There was a chasm between us that we could have never filled on our own. We could have never got to God on our own. And God said, that's not good enough for me. I will not stay separated from my people. And his son came and died for you and me to bridge that gap and give us access into that throne room of God. And so we can come boldly to the throne of grace because of what he did for us. And because of that, he's worthy for us to serve him and be fully surrendered to him every day. Amen? Praise God. You know, receiving salvation isn't easy, or it is easy. You know, for those of us, we think getting saved is, is, is easy because when you realize your need, when you realize the gap between you and God and you need, the, you need something to fill that gap that you can't fill on your own, then getting saved is not difficult. It's something we, we want to do because we realize our sinful nature and how much we need a savior. But walking it out is the difficult part. To really walk it out the way God, the way the word of God tells us to walk it out is not an easy thing. It's constant battle between our flesh and our spirit man. 
wanting to walk out. Because I, I can say when, I, when we're here in praise and worship and we're singing about surrender, I, I believe it. When I say, Lord, I surrender all to you. I give you everything. My life is yours. I mean, we sang a couple songs today that said stuff like that. And I think, man, I, I believe that, God. I'm really, I'm surrendered to you. I want your will in my life. I want everything I am is yours. And, and then I'll, but then I walk out these doors and have to go out into the world. And things change pretty quickly sometimes, don't they? The flesh comes back in and the things that we promised him, we would surrender to him an hour ago are suddenly right there again. And we're like, mm, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, I'm just not quite ready for that. It's hard to me, for me to give that up. And so it's hard to surrender, but that is one of the ways we show that we love God is by surrendering to him and being able to release all that we are to him saying, God, my life is yours. Because when we don't hang on to those things, then, then we're not looking for fulfillment in those things. Those things we're hanging on to are the things that we're trying to use to feel fulfilled. But as we hang on to them, what we're actually doing is we're weighing ourselves down and keeping us from getting fulfilled. It has a reverse effect for us and we need to have that revelation. Uh, the second thing is, the second principle to love God is to trust him. We surrender to him and we trust him. It sounds really simple. We just need to trust God. Amen. We all want to trust God. We cannot have a wait and see approach. And I will tell you today that we, we severely limit seeing the faithfulness of God in our life if we do not trust him. Church, I, I hear it all the time. People that they like, I just haven't seen God's handiwork in my life. I really haven't seen his hand move. I really haven't seen his faithfulness in my life. I've seen so many other people testify about God's faithfulness and what they've done in their life. And I just haven't seen that. And my first thought is, but do you trust him? Like, is your trust a matter of like, okay, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. Then we have it backwards. Because God's saying, I want you to step out. Like God's the only person in all the universe that we can trust blindly and have blind faith in and know that he is going to meet us in that place. I can tell you the times I've seen the faithfulness of God in my life the most is when I've stepped out when it did not make sense. When it made zero sense according to the world is when I have seen God's faithfulness. And that's, when we, that, and that's the way God has set it up for us. That's his principle. He wants, he wants our heart and he wants to know that we will trust him even when it doesn't make sense on the outward Amen. And there, there are certain things that I think are difficult for us to trust him with. I, I think the first one is health. You know, it's, it's hard for us to trust him in our health sometimes, especially if you have like a, a family history of health issues and, or you've seen family members suffer or friends suffer with health and you've asked God for healing and stuff and haven't seen it come out the way you wanted it to come out. It's easy for us to, to lose trust in that. And to, you know, a lot of times we trust doctors more than we trust God. And I'm not, I'm not digging on doctors. I'm very thankful for doctors. I'm, we, they are a blessing from the Lord. And God uses them all the time. I'm thankful for them. But our, our trust needs to be first and foremost in our Lord. Because he's the one that can, that can heal us. Sometimes he uses the doctors. But he's the one that ultimately brings our healing. And it's hard to, it can be hard to trust him in that. That's one of the areas we have to, we have to be careful with. I would say the, the next one is finances. I think, I think finances is the most prevalent thing that it's, it's very difficult for us to trust God. And I talk about this all the time because I, I, it's real. And, and I know Jesus talked about money more than everything else by far. And it was because Jesus knew too that giving up our money, giving our money away is not an easy thing to do even when we're giving it to the Lord. Even seasoned Christians can easily struggle with tithing or giving, giving to a, another ministry, sowing seed into something, into missions or whatever it is. We can easily struggle with that because money is one of those things that we, we have to have it. So, you know, there's certain things we can give up because we know we don't have to have those things, but money is one of those things we have to have. I mean, you know, if you don't, don't, don't pay your bills for a month and see what happens. 
you know? We all need that money. And sometimes you, the, you may feel like the Lord's prompting you to give more than, than you could even give and still pay your bills. I've, I've done that a couple of times where the Lord told me to give some money away. And, and I was like, Lord, if I do this, I'm not gonna be able to pay my bills this month. And he, he said, do it anyway. And I did it and I was able to pay my bills that month and I still don't know how I did it. But it was because I was able to step out and trust him. And that is where we see the faithfulness of God is when we trust him, when we step out and we're willing to trust him with our finances. And, and I, you know, I know in church work, we don't like to talk about money a lot because we don't want you guys to think that we just want your money because we don't just want your money. It, it is not what this is about, but this is about money being the thing in our heart that is so easy for us to guard and not trust God with. When he's saying, if you will trust me, if you will step out and do it, you will see my faithfulness. He promises us that, that he will meet our needs as we trust him in that. Uh, I think family uh, is one of the things that's hard for us to trust God. It's hard to trust them with our family. If we, parents of young kids, you know, they, they've created a term in this generation called a helicopter parent now. You know, because you have all the hover parents that just seem to hover over their kids and, and, um, and there just seems to be like this, there seems to be like an anxiety and a fear uh, that's, that's, that's in the culture right now about kids and just wanting them to be so protected and, and guarded. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with protecting our kids. God gave us children and part of the duty of a parent is to protect them. There's no doubt about it. But there's, a, there's a, an unhealthy fear and anxiety that seems to be in our culture now when it comes to parenting. And we kind of live in fear of getting that dreadful phone call, you know. And, uh, and, and that's not God's heart for us. He wants us to trust him with our kids, with our families, with our spouses, you know, with our relatives. We can trust God that he cares more about our family members than we do. We can trust him in that. But it's not always easy to do. And then the, the last one is just our future. I think sometimes it's hard to trust him with our future. I, I think fear and anxiety uh, is, a lot of it is rooted in, in fear of the future because we're, we, we're fearful of what might happen, what could happen. That's, that's kind of where fear comes from. And it's just a lack of trusting God. It, it's, it's really, it is trusting something. It's trusting the enemy, but it's not trusting God in our life. And, and we can trust him with our future, amen? We can definitely trust him. He has good plans for us, plans to prosper us, plans to give us a hope. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, third and lastly, the last point about loving God is to follow him. You know, Jesus called his disciples to leave their lives and follow him. You know, we read that in the word when he was calling his disciples. They, they left their nets. They left their, uh, their taxpayer booth and they, they went and followed him. Sometimes in our life, if we really want to follow Jesus, it requires us to leave something behind. And as I want to ask you today, is there something in your life you're not leave, willing to leave behind to follow him? Oftentimes, we are asked to leave something behind. We cannot, living our life for Jesus means living life differently than the world lives it. You guys would agree with that? Amen? It means living differently than the world lives it. So we cannot have, we cannot have it both ways. We can't bring the world with us if we're following Jesus. We have to leave those things behind. You know, we can't say, we can't be getting... Uh, drunk on a Saturday night and coming to church on Sunday and thinking everything's just fine. You know, I mean, I'm not, God forgives us when we mess up. I'm not saying he doesn't forgive us, but I'm saying there's things in our life. We can't, we can't be living with our girlfriend or living with our boyfriend and coming to church together on Sunday and think that that's okay. That's not, that's not how, that's not what the word of God tells us what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and to really love God. He calls us to a standard. He calls us to leave things behind. And when we get saved, when we live our lives for Jesus, there's things that we leave to go follow him. And not even all of them are bad things. Sometimes it's just things that maybe just weighing us down. You know, Peter left his net 
There's nothing wrong with having, that was his way of making a living. There was nothing wrong with being a fisherman. But Jesus told him in that situation, I want you to leave that and come follow me. And he said, okay. And we need to be willing to lay whatever down, whatever he wants us to lay down, we need to be willing to lay that down to follow him. Because sometimes there's things that aren't necessarily sins in our life, but they're just holding us back and keeping us from really being able to follow him and to be able to keep up. Amen. So that's how we, that's how we love God. Those are just a few, obviously it's not an exhaustive list, of course, but um, let me talk about how we would love others too. And you know, in that verse in Matthew 22, where he says, you know, the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love others. You notice there that nowhere in that verse does he tell us to love ourselves because he doesn't have to. You know, the, the most primal instinct in, in human beings is self-preservation. So we're already experts at that. I'm pretty good at that myself. And that's why he tells us that we should love others as we love ourselves. He's saying, you know, as much as you love yourself, as much as you want to preserve yourself, love others that same way. That was his command to us. And if we will do that, we can know that, uh, that we can be fulfilled and live a life of purpose. Um, so first of all, the first thing we need to do is we need to remember God's love for us. In that verse in Matthew 22, it's so important that we, remember, we realize that there, it, was, it was intentional that Jesus said, love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It, it was intentional that he said, love God first, because I believe that it, you, you can't really love people the way God wants you to love people unless you love God first, because that love of God is going to flow through you into others. In fact, in 1 John 4, 19, it says that we love because he first loved us. So we can't really love others until we, under, until we experience that love that God has for us. So we need to remember his love for us. Church, if you are someone that has experienced the love of God, and I believe, I believe most of us have, experienced that love and, and, and understood what he did for us and have felt his arms of love around us and just received that, that supernatural grace and love that God gives us. If you've experienced that, it is so important for us to remember that and to hang on to that so that we can in turn love others. That's where the love that, that's gonna change the world, that's where it's gonna come from. It's gonna come from us. And, if, and, and the Bible even says that if we love others, that that's how people are gonna know that we are disciples of Christ is by our love for others. That's how they're gonna know. People get saved just from us loving them like God loves us. I mean, it, it really is that simple. We complicate, you know, trying to get people saved and, and helping them to, to uh, give their heart to Jesus. But really, in a lot of ways, it, it, sometimes it's just as simple as just loving them. Just showing them a, a love that God has given us and, and extending that love to them, being a conduit for God to, to pour his love into other people through you. So we need to remember his love for us. Secondly, we need to give sacrificially. Now, this isn't necessarily talking about financially. I'm not telling you to give all your money to your friends. Um, if you want to do that, it's great, but that's not what I'm talking about today. Uh, Philippians 2 and, and verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So sometimes we have to put God's, uh, not God's needs, other people's needs ahead of our own. How, are you willing, how often do you make, how often do you give sacrificially to those around you? to people in your life. Obviously for your kids, we, we feel like we give sacrificially on a minutely basis, right? That's all we do. But I'm talking about others in your life, other people in your life that need to experience that love, that, that need love from you, whether it's friends, coworkers, whatever it is. Are we, do we look for opportunities to give sacrificially to them? 
whether it's of our time or of our resources, of our money, whatever it is, but be willing to give sacrificially. That is how we love others. And that's what Paul was telling us here, that we're to look at other people's needs above our own. That's not easy to do. That doesn't come naturally to most of us. It doesn't come naturally to me to just, just put everybody else's needs above my own. But that's something that as we grow in our walk with the Lord, that we would hope that that would become something that would be more natural for us. When we see a need that we run to it to help meet it, not so that we can uh, be the savior or be the hero, but so that God's love can flow through us into other people. And that's how we'll find uh, fulfillment in our life, part of how it. And then lastly is to reach out. Now that sounds pretty simple, but simply reaching out to others uh, in, 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 in many ways can really show love towards others. You know, we don't, we don't need to wait for opportunities to smack us in the face before we reach out to people. Um, and, and, you know, my heart, I know Pastor Bowen's heart for this church is that we would be a church without walls. We want to be a church that has no walls. That we, you know, we come together on Sunday like this and it's wonderful, but we want this church to be a place where this community knows New Hope as the place that, if, that, that we will reach out, that if there's a need, that we're going to be there to help meet it, that we're going to be a church in our community, that we're the people of New Hope are the people that are going to, to go out and they're going to meet needs of people. They're going to, they're going to try to reach out to people and, and bring them back in here, frankly, and bring them back into this place. You know, we want this place to be a place that anybody out there that's not here can, would know that, hey, if, if you want to go somewhere where you're going to feel loved and you're going to, you're going to meet God and you're going to see some really, really great people that love God, New Hope's the place to be. That's our heart for this church. But the walls of this church should be gone. And, and I will, I'll, I'll say, like, I believe we do a pretty good job of that here at New Hope. I really do. And that's my, that's my desire for every church in this area and all over the world for that matter. But we don't have any say in all those other churches. So we're talking about New Hope today. And, and it's one of the ways that it's a simple way that we can love others. It actually almost sounds too simple sometimes just saying, you know, just to, uh, to, to be there in our community and reach out to people in our community. And, you know, Jessica was up here earlier talking about inviting people to, to Easter. And I, I mean, I could not agree more. I think it's such a big, it's such a big deal that we take advantage of this situation. We have this ministry here where all we got to do is invite somebody to church and they can come and hear the gospel. You know, Easter is such a big Sunday. There's people that come to church on Easter that only come, that's the only Sunday they come in the year. You know, usually attendance jumps up a, a substantially on Easter Sunday. And it's such a wonderful opportunity for people to hear the gospel. And I, I know for some of us, it's hard for us to, to share our faith with our friends and coworkers because we don't want to make them uncomfortable. Uh, you know, maybe you just don't feel like you're really good at, at talking about that. You feel like you might stumble over your words and that's fine. You know, we're all at different places in life, but everybody can invite somebody to church. We can all do that. You know, I, I saw a statistic not too long ago that said like they, they polled a bunch of non-church going people and over 80% of them said that if a friend invited them to church, they would go. Now, I think we believe the lie sometimes that nobody wants to go. And if I invite them, they would just feel weird and have to say uh, that they're busy and make up some weird excuse of what they have to do that day, you know. But the fact of the matter is most people will actually come if we invite them. And that's easy. That's an easy thing to do. And you get them in the door and we'll take it from there. How's that? Okay. I mean, they will, if they come, they're going to hear the gospel and they're going to experience the love of God. I, I know that. And, uh, and it's God's work to, it's God's job to, to penetrate their heart and do the work that would cause them to, to accept him and give their heart to them. But, but we can provide that opportunity. It's one of the ways that we can love people is by just having a culture of inviting 
people into, into our, where we go to worship, into our fellowship of believers. And, uh, and I think that's really important for us that we do that, that we take advantage of that and use the opportunities that we have. And, and like Jessica said, if I'll make a plug for the website, you know, go to the website, download that stuff. It's, it's really easy to do. If I can do it, anybody can do it and, uh, and use it to invite people. And let's have a, let's have a packed house here next, in two Sundays and, and uh, have a, a wonderful harvest uh, on Easter Sunday this year. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to close. I'm going to ask Steve and, and Mitchell, they're going to come up and, and play behind me. Uh, let me just say in conclusion that to kind of reiterate that, that God has given each and every one of us a purpose. And the really cool thing is that we all have the same purpose is to love him and love others. And if we, and if we will do that the way the word of God shows us how to do it, we will feel a sense of purpose in our life. We will feel the fulfillment. We will experience that fulfillment that God wants us to have. But we have to be willing to do our part too. And, and not, not going after the things to find our sense of purpose and fulfillment, but really going after him and having that relationship with him and, and with others. So I'm gonna ask you to stand with me today. I'm going to ask the prayer leaders to come too, please. And if you need prayer for anything today, if you need anything physical, emotional, financial, relational, whatever it might be, feel free. Please come up and let these prayer leaders pray with you. They'd be happy to do that. You can find a place at the altar here, pray by yourself if you like. You can, you can start coming now. Uh, but I want to ask you a question today. Are you... Are you willing today to commit, to re- maybe renew your commitment to serve, to, to loving God and loving others? I, I believe if you're here today, you, you, you probably do love God and you love others. But to take that to the next level, to say, you know what, I, I've, I've allowed myself at times to, to get more focused on me and kind of gotten away from some of that. And, and we all know, you know, if you want to be miserable, they always say, if you want to be miserable, focus on yourself for 10 minutes and you'll be miserable. Um, I just want to challenge you today that if you'd like to renew that commitment to God today, to say, yes, God, I want to, I want to love you the way the word of God tells me to love you. I want to be willing to, to surrender to you, to trust you and to follow you. I want to do it in a greater capacity and I want you to help me. And, and I want to love others. I want to be a conduit for you to love others through me. If you want to renew that commitment today, I'm going to ask you to come here to the center today and I want to pray for you. I'd like to pray over you because I believe that God will meet you here. I believe that he will, he will uh, honor your desire and your heart to commit to that. So I'm going to ask you to, to, to start coming if you want. Um, I would just like to say, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier that, that I spent some time doing missions work. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because while I was doing missions work, I was, I was the poorest I've ever been by far. I never had any, I had 25, 50 bucks in my checking account most times. Uh, I was basically homeless. I kind of moved from place to place, staying with people to, um, to, for, for a season or whatever I needed. And then, uh, and I was also like 1500 miles from my home. So away from my family, away from my friends, but I could say without a doubt, it was one of the most fulfilled times of my life. And I had, I had the least that I ever had as far as stuff goes and even relationships with family. So I, I know I can say firsthand that fulfillment does not come from the things. Fulfillment comes from when we sacrifice, when we surrender ourselves to God and we pursue him the way that he would have us do it. That is where purpose comes in our life. 
And I would just encourage you with that today. So if you want to come, they're gonna, we're going to sing a little bit. You guys can come and then.